the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know a place where we can go. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs, a local community faith program from 100.7. Don't worry. We're going down to the river, down to the river. Good afternoon, Colorado Springs. This is Crosswalk with Bob Bender, 100. Point seven, the Word, Salem Communications. We appreciate the Word feeding us, encouraging us, blessing us with great preaching and good talk radio that encourages us. And that's our purpose here, that you might be encouraged, enriched, and we want to enjoy our time together as well, even though today is Black Friday. So don't go crazy with the spending. Rain it in a little bit. But enjoy today. I'm praying through Matthew, and I came across Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine, where Jesus says, And you are mistaken, because you do not understand the Scriptures, nor the power of God. Talking to the Pharisees and those who aren't following him, you are mistaken, not understanding the Scriptures or the power of God. Listen, when we err... When we make a mistake, sin, or whatever, it's because of one of two reasons. We either don't understand the Scriptures, God's standard, or we're not experiencing the power of God. So may we live by the Word and live by the power of the Holy Spirit who enables us to live by the Word so that we have the power of God in us, on us, around us, so that we can please the Lord and move forward in life as winners and not losers. So, Lord, thank you. You've given us your word. You've given us your spirit, Lord. Give us victory and help us to remember when we fail. It's because of one of those two things. So help us to stay in our lane, and we'll honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll praise the Lord. Today's a good day to praise the Lord. Any day is. And we're in a mini-series on a funny thing happened. Remember, the Bible says in Proverbs seventeen twenty-two, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. And there is a relationship between a happy life, the Jesus joy, and our total well-being. And so I'm praying you're experiencing the joy of Jesus and then along the way, he has given us everything richly to enjoy, First Timothy 6, 17, that we would enjoy life and enjoy the fun things that life offers. There was a season in my life when I, when I didn't. Uh, I just thought that uh, God was the kind of God that if he found me having fun, he was going to come down here and slap my wrist. But he's not that kind of God. He is uh, God-created humor, and so he wants us to enjoy it. So as I experienced 55 years in ministry, obviously a lot of humorous things occurred, 
and I shared some of those yesterday and want to share some more of those today because the ministry is fun. One thing about my parents, though I was raised in a fairly conservative, very conservative home, they modeled ministry well. And guess what? All four of her children went into the ministry. And so thanks, Mom and Dad, for showing us that life can be fun, ministry can be fun, and that we can enjoy one another. We can enjoy the good things the Lord has for us as we journey through life. And yesterday I was sharing some experiences that I had as a youth director, and that was in the Jesus movement, so that was very, very exciting It was a great day to to serve the Lord. And so the Lord gave me this vision in Oklahoma City to have a a Christian nightclub, a Christian coffee house. And so I was just driving along around Oklahoma City, and I saw this, this bar for sale, this nightclub for sale on 39th Street. And so I investigated in it, and they said, I said, well, would you, would you mind uh, renting it? For a season, since it doesn't look like it's selling. And so they said, sure. And so I went to my pastor. I said, look, I got this dream, this vision of this coffee house uh, on 39th Street. They can let us rent this old nightclub. What do you think? Well, he was uh, pretty conservative, but he said, let's go for it. And that thing took off. We wanted a, 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 title, a name of the club that was English, because we had English decor, so so I had my leadership team, we gathered around, what shall we call it, and so I just closed my eyes and let my finger drop on a town in England, and it dropped on Scarborough. So it was Scarborough Hall, and every, uh, I think it was in the, in the summer, I forget, three nights a week, maybe Thursday, Friday, Saturday, would open that thing up, and kids would come from everywhere. And, of course, it was a nightclub. Every now and then, uh, a fellow would come in thinking thinking it's a nightclub, but he learned pretty quick. <laughs> uh, we're not killing, t- selling that kind of uh, spirits. In fact, the Daily Oklahoman did a story on it in the front page of the of the home section. It said nightclub with spiritual twist. And so boy did we have the kids come in. They were just flocking in and and one night at a, at the first show while uh, Don Gray was doing the music portion, I was getting ready to go to preach. It was just so hot in there. It's the summertime in Oklahoma City, you know, and full full, full of kids and body heat was everywhere. So I went out and, man, I got to get out of here. So I took a break and went out and I just was floored because there was as many kids out in the lawn waiting for the show to be over so they could come and take the seats of the ones who were there. I was just blown away. In fact, a civil defense director of the five-state area told me, he's in our church, he said, uh, I was having dinner with him one night. He said, "Uh, Bob, did you know your name's on the FBI list? I said, what? He said, yep, your name's on the FBI list. They think something nefarious is going on there at Scarborough Hall. You're reaching so many kids, so don't be surprised if one night a couple of FBI agents show up. Sure enough, within a week or two, two guys showed up in suits. You got it, uh, suits and sunglasses, the typical deal, and sat down. Of course, there's a bunch of kids there, and, and then they got up and rummaged around in the back and, and left 
So I'm glad I, do- I dodged the bullet on that one. But anyway, they thought I was an SDSer, <laughs> Students for a Democratic Society. So man, how exciting and joyful that was. Now, in youth ministry, you have youth camp. And our youth camp was False Creek Baptist Assembly. It was the largest youth, it still is largest youth camp in the world of its kind. One in 10 public school uh, students in Oklahoma attend it every summer. Thousands come. And we are just enjoying that. And, and one night, they were really strict because you had 6,000 kids, 7,000 kids. So they had pretty strict rules. In fact, they were too strict, really. In fact, some kids wanted to have a little fun before the service began. And it was unauthorized, but they had the right idea. And so they had uh, five flags, J-E-S-U-S. And they were going to, they ran across the front before the service began, the J, and it ran across, and then the E, and it every, everybody said E, and then the S, and everybody said S. And all of a sudden, there's no U. Well, the guys in charge thought, man, this is getting a little out of hand. So they wouldn't let the fella, the gal with the U run across, nor the S. And so my youth group began to stomp on the on their seats. We want Jesus. We want Jesus. We want Jesus. Kind of a funny anecdote. But I tell you, that's a great place. I was goofing off there as a youth director would steal the clapper and the bell, you know, and do all kinds of nonsense. Isn't that terrible? And uh, Brent Winston stole the clapper and the bell, and he jumped in his bunk, and he and the clapper just took the bunk down. I mean, it just caved in on him. But anyway, so Jim, the the guy, head security guy, he kind of knew my reputation. Well, fast forward 20 years, and my daughter is having the same kind of fun, goofing off after hours, breaking the rules, stealing the clapper and whatever. And so Jim started chasing Susie, not knowing who it was. And Susie got on top of the tabernacle, and he said, come on down here, come on down here. And she came down, and he said, are you a sponsor or a student? She said, sponsor. He said, what's your name? She said, Susie Bender. He said, Susie Bender. I was chasing your dad, Bobby Bender, 20 years doing the same stuff. Well, you got to have fun in youth camp, right? Join me and I'll tell you more funny things that happen in students and other ministries. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7. The Word. Welcome back. Welcome back. A funny thing happened. You know, when you're a youth director, you got to be half crazy anyway to relate to the kids and do stupid stuff. And we had our share. We had a retreat at this False Creek Baptist Assembly in Oklahoma, and uh, 250 kids showed up. It was an amazing, amazing time. But anyway, my associate did an Elvis impression, and this is in the chapel on youth, at youth camp. And if you know anything about Southern Baptists, we don't we don't appreciate dancing. And anyway, and so some of the kids started dancing, you know, goofing off doing the twist and stuff because my associate was imitating Elvis. And the sponsors walk up to me and said, Bobby, what are we going to do? I said, well, man, I can't stop this thing. They're just having fun. I tell you what, just post yourselves outside the chapel. And if if uh, the director of the camp, Harry Dodd. What is a Harry Dodd? If he shows up, just warn me, and I'll, I'll kind of take care of things. Well, I'm glad they didn't show up, or they would have 
they would abandon us for life. I think I'm the only youth director that had a dance party on our youth camp grounds. Well, moving ahead, so now I'm at the Dolphin Way Baptist Church in Mobile, Alabama. I hadn't been there long. The kids say, we want to we want to go to the beach. And so let's let's uh, go to Orange Beach or Perdido Bay, some someplace over in in Florida, it's just a short drive away. I said, okay. So we piled in the buses and two or three buses head towards the beach. And so we get on the beach and lifeguard comes up and says, now there's riptide today. So be careful. So I said, yeah, kids, be careful. I mean, I, I was raised in Oklahoma. I think it's the first time I've been to the beach. I'm not sure. But anyway, okay, kids have fun. Let's, you know, have a buddy and be careful and we'll see you back at eight or whatever and take off. So we Got back at 8 o'clock or whatever time it was, 6, 7, whatever, after, after we ate there. And I said, let's, let's pull out. So we pull out and did a number count, and everybody's here counted for us. So we head back to Mobile, Alabama, on about an hour drive, not an hour and a half. And we stop on the way uh, to, for a bathroom break and get some uh, stop and rob, you know, get some food and got back on the on the buses. And I... I thought I had a head count, did a head count, but maybe evidently I didn't. Anyway, we get home, all the kids go home, and so about 10.30, I'm wakened with a phone call, an angry mom, where's my daughter? And I thought, oh no, this is terrible. There goes my ministry, I'll be in jail. She's at the bottom of Perdido Bay, Orange Beach. And uh, I said, well, I, I, I thought she was with us. You thought you didn't know. And so, well, let me double check, you know, do some make some phone calls because I uh, vaguely knew who she was. She wasn't in youth group. She was a guest. And so they said, yeah, she was she was on the bus when we left the beach. Well, was she on the bus when we when we left the, the stop and rob for a break? And they said, well, I, I really can't remember that. Well, after about 30 minutes, the mom called and she says, well, I found my daughter. When you stopped to get some snacks, she left your bus and got on a motorcycle with her boyfriend and took a road with him back, and they just now come in. She was so angry at the boyfriend and her daughter for picking her up that I dodged the bullet on that one. Boy, that could have been the end of my ministry. Well, all the fun things that happen in student ministry, it was an exciting time. Well, let's, let's move on to funerals funerals they're supposed to be serious they're not, not nothing funny is supposed to happen at a funeral well i i was not acquainted with death i think i'd only been to one funeral i think it was my grandfather's and i i uh, spoke at that one but anyway uh here i am a pastor of a country church and the matriarch of the church dies and so i want to be their pastor i want to be with her and so we we feed them at the church and then we get in the cars and head to the funeral home which was in terrell texas about 20 minutes away and so we drive up it's five minutes before funeral time i'm i'm the guy supposed to be leading the funeral funeral director runs up and he says what's the order of service i said order of service he said yeah you know the program and I said, well, what do we have? They said, well, we got a congregational song, and we got that solo. And, uh, and uh, you know, M.L. Jones, he's a longtime pastor. Uh, he's going to read Scripture and pray. And then, and then uh, you have the sermon. I said, sermon? 
They said, yeah, yeah, you're preaching the sermon. And so I said, well, here's the order. Uh, Could you tell me where the bathroom is? (laughs) I went to the bathroom, and I remember leaning on the sink and looking in the mirror and saying, what in the world am I going to do? I am not prepared to preach a sermon. Well, I remembered my seminary professor talking about death for the Christian is like wasp without, without a stinger in 1 Corinthians 15. So I quoted that verse and, and preached as long as I could, about four or five minutes, I think. And so uh, the funeral was over. This is the matriarch of the church now, a lot of people there. And so we're back in the car, headed toward her burial, and M. L. Jones, a longtime pastor of First Baptist in Rockwall, was with me, and I made the mistake of saying, well, Doc, how did I do? <laughs> and he paused and said, son, you could have preached about heaven a little more, a little longer. Well, that was my first experience uh, with a funeral and kind of uh, woke me up. But anyway, another one was uh, a, a, a town, a, a funeral, where I was there and we're in the place, you know, the chapel, and everybody's quiet. And all of a sudden, this big fella, I think he, he doubled as a bouncer in a nightclub otherwise, but he came and he he <laughs> yelled out, all stand for the entrance of the casket. I mean, we just jumped out of our skins. You don't, you don't yell <laughs> at a funeral. We were just, we were just beside ourselves. Oh, you know. Well, they they came forward with with the casket, and I noticed that, boy, these uh, this this is this is out west here. Boy, they sure are casual. I wasn't used to to casual funerals, but anyway. So we take care of the funeral, and they bring the casket in the hearse. Okay, the family is behind the hearse, and I'm standing there. And they put the casket in the back of the hearse, and they close the back door, and all of a sudden it bounces back, and she has the door handle in her hand. She says, oh, no, what are we going to do? This is the only hearse we have. we got to go to the cemetery. And so they try to fix it, and they can't fix it. I'm trying to block the family from this Keystone Cop moment, you know. And so I said, well, I guess I'll take care of it. So I got in the hearse. There's a little bit of space between the hearse and the back door. And I put my fingernails in the back. The back door doesn't have a handle. Dug my fingernails where the window meets the inside of the door so that I held the door closed so that on the way to the cemetery, at least the door could be closed, which needed to happen. And I'm just praying, Lord, don't help us. Don't have us hit a big bump or something. I'd I'd be falling out, and the casket be falling out on me, you know. So we finally made it there. And but before we did, I'm in the back. I'm seated there, very awkwardly. And the funeral director gets in the. This is in the summer. It's getting hot. Funeral director gets in the car, about ready to start it, taken to the cemetery. She closes the door and she says, now, where are those keys? Where are those keys? We keep losing these keys. And so I said, oh, no. And so she goes back in in the funeral home, takes about three, four, five minutes to find the keys. And I'm in there sweating, of course. And so we make our way to the cemetery and, and we tidy things up there. And she says, well, would you like to ride back with me to the funeral home? And I said, no, thanks. I'll just find another way. I'd had enough of that one. Another funeral took place in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. I played basketball at noon and took an elbow to the eye. 
And so I got a black eye. I got a funeral, 2 o'clock. So I go to the funeral home, and Alan Graham, Stump Funeral Home, Bartlesville, Oklahoma, he looks at me, and he says, man, you got a black eye there. I says, well, can you make me up? And so he took me back on that table, that cold table where they make up dead bodies, and he laughed, and he said, man, this is the first live person I've ever made up. Would you lie down here? And I said, no, thanks. I'll just sit up. And you know, he made me up so well that the funeral folks didn't even know I had a black eye. Well, funerals can be fun. Join me in a moment. I'll talk about weddings. is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word. A funny thing happened on the way to church. Well, a funny thing happened at our wedding. We were married in Oklahoma City, and Gene War had his bright idea. He said, now... Your groomsmen, they're going to want to follow you, you know, and make life miserable for you as we leave the church. So we're going to, I'm going to take you in my car and we're going to drive up Broadway Extension. Now there's a barrier between northbound and southbound, and I'm going to be going north. And all of a sudden, I'll stop, and you just hop the barrier, and John Bree passed my associate, I have his car, and he'll be going the other way, and there's no way they can follow you because they can't cross the barrier, and he'll take you to your car, and you'll be on your way. I said, that sounds like a great idea. And so here's Gene Wars driving up Broadway Extension in Oklahoma City, his big Cadillac, you know, and takes off. Well, he stops rather suddenly because, you know, you got to stop in order to let us off, cross the barrier, get in the car. Well, he stopped so quickly that all of a sudden, as we're getting out of his car and hopping over the barrier, we hear this crash, crash, crash. My groomsmen were crashing into one another because Gene had stopped so suddenly. And so we're thinking, of course, there's bodies all over the all over the highway, but nobody was injured. But and uh, Gene was so gracious. He, he, he took care of all of, of what they were out, less their insurance because he felt so guilty. But, boy, that was that was a harrowing experience. Another one, I was doing a wedding in Ada, Oklahoma, it was a home wedding of a fireman, a fireman in a home wedding. And so the bride is uh, seated by my side in preparation, getting ready for the wedding to start. Well, you know, she has enough hairspray for 10, 10 girls, and she's seated there beside the fireplace on the brick ledge there, and there was a candle behind her, and this was right before the wedding was to start. And all of a sudden, her hair catches on fire. She didn't know it because she can't feel it. Well, I have my little booklet, you know, my little wedding booklet, and I start beating her on the head, putting out the fire. And she kind of smelled something. And, uh, and, and I mean, we're talking about seconds right before this thing begins. And she said, is, is my hair on fire? I said, not anymore. Let's go ahead and begin the service. I'm surprised the fireman didn't take out a hose and just hose her down. But anyway, that was a funny thing that happened. Well, let's talk missions. Let's talk missions for a little bit. I went to a mission trip, Seoul, South Korea, 
and waiting for my folks who are supposed to meet me there. Uh, we'll meet you there at 10 o'clock, you know, and take you to the Seoul Hilton. And uh, at 10 o'clock, nobody's there. 10.30, nobody's there. At 11, I'm still waiting. This is before cell phones. This is the 80s. And I'm sitting there waiting. I said, well, at least I know where I'm going to the Hilton. And so I'm bringing my bag uh, out of the airport uh, toward the parking lot. And this fellow walks up and he says, taxi. And I said, yes. And so he took my bag. He, he walked by the taxi place into the public parking lot, throws my luggage in his trunk and asked me where I was going. And I said, uh, the Seoul Hilton. And he said, OK, let's go. I'm beginning to feel a little awkward, beginning to feel a little afraid, really. Wait a minute. Is he really a taxi driver? What's going on here? Well, all of a sudden, I'm seeing myself in a real bad part of the town, real seedy, and he stops and says, well, I got I to gotta get some cigarettes. And so uh, he stops, and I'm in the car, and he walks over. Now, in Seoul, Korea, when you when you buy something, it's really just a window, and, 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 and back in there is whatever else you want to buy, kind of a stop and rob place, but just a window. And so we stand, and, 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 and somebody walks up whom he knows. He buys cigarettes. He's talking to this fellow, and they're looking at me and pointing to me, and I'm thinking, Lord, what am I going to do? If I just bolt and run, you know, I can't, I can't get my luggage. It's in the trunk, and I, I was just probably the most scared I've ever been in my life, and so I was praying like crazy, and so he walks up, gets in the car, and takes me to the Seoul Hilton. I tell you what, that was a harrowing experience. Uh, not fun at all, but it was harrowing. One time we were down in Mexico, way past the Tropic of Cancer, or whatever, middle Mexico. I don't think, I don't, this small village, I don't believe they'd ever seen a bald white man before. They were, it's like the circus came to town, and they were so excited, and we, have, we had a dentist with us, and so it was time for the dentist to do his thing, and so I had to go around the village and announce that, that we had a, a dentist that they could use for free. And so I'm walking through the village, and I'm yelling out. They know who we are, the only, only white people in the village, and mission team, I, and I'm yelling, Frio Dentista, Frio Dentista. And, and and nobody comes. So I went back to the HQ, and I said, nobody's responding to my appeal. They said, what are you saying? I'm saying, Frio Dentista. They said, you fool, that's cold dentist. Free dentist is gratis dentista. Gratis, oh, okay. So I go back and start yelling gratis dentista, and they say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we understand now. So, you know, don't. sometimes my confidence exceeds my competency. And that was a case in point. Well, missions were wonderful. We have many wonderful missions, trips that were glorious and some humorous. Well, let's talk pulpit committees. A pulpit committee is a committee that a church, they they elect the committee, go find us a pastor. And so there was this church in Arkansas that was looking for, I didn't, they really I didn't know they were looking for a pastor. They just said, can you come preach for us? And so I said, fine. And so it's a five-hour drive. Uh, the, 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 the pilot couldn't take us because it's soup all the way. So I had to get up at 6 in the morning, drive there, finally barely get there at 11 in the, in the morning at, for the worship service. And they said, oh, we'll, 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 
we'll take care of you, we'll take care of you. And so I preached, and boy, they had me doing everything. Now, now they said, tonight we're going to have baptism and the Lord's Supper, and we want you to come to our leadership council meeting this afternoon, and we were going to visit the hospital. I mean, they had me doing visit the hospital, everything. Well, baptism that night. Let me tell you, they hadn't baptized in six months. The baptistry, I mean, it hadn't been cleaned. There were spider webs in the corner, phlegm about eighth inch over the top of the water, and baptizing this 12-year-old boy, and he comes out of the water slinging the phlegm out of his eye sockets, you know. And so I get through that ordeal. Well, in this situation, is are these old churches, the place where you change, where you put on your waders, you know, is is kind of back behind it's behind a scrim, really, behind the organ pipes, and you're okay as long as, you know, the light's not on and everything. Well, I was taking off my waiters, bent over, you know, and all of a sudden somebody opens the door, and there's this 1,000-watt light bulb in the hall that shines my silhouette through the scrim into the youth area. And so I was bending over, taking off my waders. It looked like I was taking off my pants, you know. And the youth saw it as the light cast my shadow over them. And they're laughing and pointing. And I thought, oh, my. And I went back to Bartlesville, and I wrote them a letter. I said, please take my name off your list. I cannot show my face in this town ever again. Boy, it's quite dehumanizing. So sometimes the pulpit committees would come visit our house. And one time, a pulpit committee chairman was walking up the sidewalk, and we lived in Austin, Texas, and my kids were less than excited about moving. And so uh, Zach yelled to the house as the pulpit committee chairman came walking up to the house. He said, pulpit committee alert, pulpit committee alert, man your battle stations, man your battle stations. So I think uh, they sabotaged that one. But anyway, there was a, a First Baptist, well, I'll just tell you what it was, Keller, Texas, in the suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth, and I was going to seminary, and they said, we want to hear you preach. And I said, well, I'm just an associate up here in Bartlesville, but I spend my weeks working on my doctorate down there in seminary. I'll just get a friend of mine uh, to let me preach for him on a Wednesday night, and your pulpit committee can come hear me. Then they said, sure, sounds great. We will uh, pick you up at, and, at the seminary, and we'll go out to eat, and we'll hear you preach and see if God can maybe move in this situation. Well, the the shtick of this story is so amazing, you'll want to have to stay tuned to hear the conclusion. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7. The Word. Welcome back. A funny thing happened to this preacher and this pulpit committee. So we had it all set up. I called a friend of mine. I said, can I preach for you on Wednesday night? Got a pulpit committee coming in. He said, well, man, we don't have we don't have church on Wednesday night. I mean, I got 30, 40 people showing up. And he, but he said, I tell you what, for you, I will pump it up. I will announce it. We'll have a choir. We'll have a worship service. I'll have you a good crowd. And so we had it all set up. Wednesday night at his church, pulpit committee was going to come and pick me up because I just flew into to Fort Worth for seminary, didn't have a car. They're going to pick me up, 
We're going to take me out to eat. We're going to preach, and we'll meet with the committee and see what God has in mind. Well, I hadn't heard from them in a couple of weeks, so I called them the Tuesday night before, and I called the chairman, and I said, I just wanted to double-check, make sure we're good to go tomorrow. I'll be sitting in front of the rotunda, 5 o'clock, just like we planned, and I just wanted to make sure we're still on. Silence. The chairman said, um... Jim Bob didn't call you? And I said, no, Jim Bob did not call me. They said, well, Pastor, uh, we should have told you this, but we're moving on to somebody else. I thought, well, yeah, these things happen. And so I called my friend. Boy, he was irate. He said, man, I promoted this. We're going to have people there. And and uh, your public committee, they're not even going to show up. And you didn't even know until you called them. I said, yeah, man. I would still be sitting on the rotunda step, steps to this day had I not called them the day before. Oh, that's not the end of the story. A couple of months pass, and, and, and they said, you know, they've been, they were moving on to somebody else. Two months pass, they call me again. Chairman, he said, well, Brother Bob, it's a little awkward, but, but this other fellow that we were moving on toward didn't work out. We'd sure like to talk to you again. And uh, I kind of got in the flesh, you know, because I was beginning to talk to a church in Austin. I said, no, thanks. I moved on to something else. <laughs> I tell you what, they do the best they can, but it's just a, a challenge. It's amazing. God gets people, pastors, where he wants them to be as uh, as as slow as the committees and pastors are. And so I was, in fact, I was in Colorado. I was a ski trip, and we had $60 left in our bank account. And I had preached for the for this uh, Chisholm Baptist Church, and I thought it was just a, a, a preach, you know, but it was a parade of pastors. I didn't know they had four or five guys coming through, and they took a vote. We like him, you know. And so I get this call. Listen to this. I get this call. And this is what he says. He's, he's calling me while I'm on a ski trip, speaking at, a, at a, a group. He says, this is Junior Nutt from the Chisholm Baptist Church. And I thought, is, is this somebody pulling my leg or what? I said, what? He said, who are you? And he said, yes, I am Junior Nutt. Turned out he's this big American Indian guy. I am from Chisholm Baptist Church. Well, I wrote down on the paper, C-H-I-Z-U-M, I've seen too many John Wayne movies, I guess. Of course, it's C-H-I-S-H-O-L-M. But he says, uh, this is Ch- uh, Junior Nutt, Chisholm Baptist Church. We want you to be our pastor. And, of course, we had $60 in our account. We we're desperate, you know. And, I, and this is what happened. I said, well, let me let me pray that about that for a bit. Uh, when can I start? <laughs> you know, God, sometimes... No, all the time. God gave you a lot, and he gave you a brain. You know what I mean? Sometimes we work at things too hard. And so we arrived there and just had a wonderful, wonderful time at that church. Well, let's talk about worship services. You know, funny things happen in worship services. The associate director of the BSU, Baptist Student Union, University of Texas in Austin, was preaching one Sunday night. And this guy walked up in the middle of the aisle and started talking with him, started 
challenging him and talking with him. And I thought, man, this this Danny Miller, he's so creative. You know, he's got this guy and he's got this planned. And after about two or three minutes, I'm sitting on the platform. Danny Miller looks over over at me and he says, man, are you going to help me or not? Oh, I, I thought this was part of the deal. But it was some homeless person who had gotten in and wanted to take charge of the worship service. You know, oldest trick in the book, get where all people, people already are and take control of it. And so we, we kind of ushered him out. Well, about a month later, I was dressed up as a homeless person, and I was going to do a, a monologue or something, and I waited till the music was over, and I, I walked in the atrium, prepared to go into the worship service to do my thing, and the ushers wouldn't let me in. They thought I was a homeless person because I was made up and dressed up and everything, and it wasn't until I heard, they heard my voice, look, it's, it's, it's me, it's Pastor Bob, let me in, they're waiting for the sermon. So uh, they let me in, barely, barely made it that way. Well, so we're in the Holy Land, and we're at King David Hotel, and I go out on the veranda, and there's Paul, Paul Crouch, and and Jan comes out, and uh, we introduce ourselves across the veranda, you know, the little barrier in between. And he and he asked, where am I pastoring? I said, Austin. He said, Bob, I need to get in that Austin market. Can you get me in that Austin market? And I said, well, I'll try. I don't know. Well, we had a TV guy in our church. So I said, I'll try. And we made contact. And, and he said, if you can get me in the – in fact, he didn't tell me at that point. He just said, get me in the Austin market, and, and maybe we can do something together. So – I got him in the Austin market, and his son, I, f- I forget uh, Paul's uh, son's name, who's kind of the director of everything, he called me and said, I tell you what, we're going to give you two hours a week on TBN in Austin. You'll just be in Austin now, but you'll be on TBN. And then I thought, man, that's awesome. And so so we're on the radio, so we wanted to add a TV to us. Here's an opportunity. And there was an opportunity to be on cable as well. And so we jumped in. Well, this is back in the 80s in Austin. I'm telling you, we had like maybe $500 for a TV ministry. And so we had this camcorder that was our TV camera. I mean, this was Spartan. Had this camcorder, and it was in the middle of the aisle, and it was attached to a pole that was attached to the pew. So every time they sat down, the pew, <laughs> the camera shook. But anyway, I was working out at a gym, and this guy said, "Hey, I saw you on TBN last night." Of course, of course, you got these great, glorious programs on TBN, and all of a sudden, little Windsor Park Baptist Church and our little Mickey Mouse, you know, camcorder. He said, "Now I saw your program last night." He said, "Now what color was your suit?" And I said, "Well, it was blue." And he said, "Well, it started out blue, but ended up green." <laughs> I tell you what, but we reached people with that little Mickey Mouse program. People from Austin came and got saved. It was glorious, glorious ministry, even though we started with next to nothing. Well, worship services can be fun. Our minister of music's daughter there in Austin, Marcy, she was quite... Uh, Marcy Priest, she is. She's, she was a little bit of a work. She's a preschooler, I think. She's acting up in church, and it's during the the worship time. And so, her mother just threw her over her shoulder and marched her down the aisle out there because she had been acting up so acting like a kid but acting up so terribly and so marcy yells out 
Help me, Jesus, help me, pray for me, pray for me. Well, that just broke everybody up. We had more fun than Christians ought to have in that experience. Well, one time we had a pepper spray incident in my church in Ada, and all of a sudden people are leaving this area. It was a youth area, and I'm sitting on the platform, and I turn to my daughter, and I mouth, did you do this? And she says, raises her hand, no. Of course, the whole youth group raises their hands, no. But anyway, it got people to coughing, and I thought, well, it's just going to be a coughing service, you know, but it was because of the pepper spray. Well, after the service, our facilities guy came up and slapped Zach on the back and he said, Zach, wouldn't have been funny if you were the one that sprayed the pepper spray in church. And Zach sheepishly lowered and he said, he said, yep, it was me. It was me. The pianist had loaned it to him. And so he just curious as what it would do. So he sprayed it and sent everybody running and coughing. Well, fun in church. I tell you, a merry heart does good. And I hope you enjoy your Christian faith and just have some, the joy of the Lord, along with some funny experiences that happen in church. God bless you. Have a great Thanksgiving weekend. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.